Hey, so I imagine you're listening to this podcast because you're an artist yourself and you want some insider tips, insights, and general advice from artists you respect. One aspect of the business we sometimes discuss on Best Advice is rollout strategies. When you're dropping new music, you want to give it the best chance of getting heard. It's all about reaching the right listeners at the right time. That's why our team at Spotify for Artists built Marquee. Marquee is a marketing tool for turning listeners into bigger fans of your new music. With Marquee, you can send full screen recommendations of your latest album, EP, or single to the right fans as soon as they open the app. Listeners who see your Marquee are twice as likely to save your tracks, making it a better way to develop your audience than trying to drive streams from social media. To find out more, go to artists.spotify.com slash marquee. Welcome to Human Race. My name is David Weinberg. I'm a reporter at KCRW in Los Angeles, and I'll be filling in for the host of the show, Rachel Swaby, while she's away on maternity leave. This time last year, Rachel was in Arizona, interviewing Randy Shepard for Human Race's very first episode. It's a great, surprising story that set the tone for what this podcast has become. We love it so much, we're going to replay it here today. So here's Human Race's first episode. It's called Tin Man. And here's Rachel. That sound you hear? Imagine spending a whole day, every moment, listening to that sound. Now, think about a week. Could you stand a week? Now, imagine it as the backdrop of your every single moment for 15 months, and you're getting a little closer to Randy Shepard's experience in the world. It's a strange sound, and I asked my colleagues at Runner's World if they could pinpoint it. Hey. Hey, Rachel. David Willey, Editor-in-Chief of Runner's World. What does that sound like? It, it almost sounds like a horse running or trotting or something, but I mean, it sounds mechanical, though. It doesn't sound organic. I asked my editor, Christine. Hey. What does this sound like? She says horses running in the rain. David said the same thing. Really? He didn't say the rain part. He did say horses. <laughs> and then we all went downstairs to the studio to ask Brian, another editor. It was horses going kind of in the Kentucky Derby, like you're right on the track. Three versions of horses. <laughs> I said it was horses in the rain. It does, right, that's what I said too. Not the rain part, horses in the rain, that's really pocketed. <laughs> yeah. I'm Rachel Swaby, and this is Human Race a new podcast from Runner's World. Each week, we'll tell a story about runners and the world of running. This week, we're going to follow Randy Shepard, who is one very unlikely runner. Randy is 42 years old now. He grew up in Mesa, Arizona, and he still lives there. And if you were to put Randy's life on a timeline, it would break out into four sections. Each section has its own distinct sound. Let me explain. These distinct sounds are the sounds of Randy's heart. This mechanical galloping sound that confused my colleagues. It's not a horse. 
The sound is actually Randy's heart. Or rather, Randy's heart was taken out and a machine was put in its place. So when I say he's a very unlikely runner, I mean it. This mechanical sound that the artificial heart makes, that sound marks the third stage in Randy's life. Confused yet? Don't worry. We're going to start from the beginning. The first sound on his timeline? A totally normal heartbeat when Randy was a kid. But to get from that regular young kid heartbeat to the artificial galloping sound, we have to go back to when Randy got sick. He had two bouts of rheumatic fever as a child, really bad ones. The illness weakened his heart and damaged his heart valves. So much so that when Randy was 17, he had to have open heart surgery. I mean, one of the things I remember thinking was open heart surgery, well, probably going to die. I don't know why that thought was in my head. But I thought, well, if I'm going to die, do I want to waste the, my last few months of life in school, in high school? And I'm like, I'm not going to do this. So I ended up dropping out my senior year. During the surgery, doctors replaced his natural heart valves, the flesh ones, with metal heart valves. The metal valves looked like a plain wedding band with a penny balanced on top. The penny-like disc swivels open to let blood in, and it snaps shut to stop blood from leaking backwards. And when that disc snaps shut, it makes a metallic clicking sound. My impersonation of Randy's heart, I would give it to my sisters or my mom all the time, so it would be like... This is Tiffany, Randy's wife. Click, 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 click. Now, Randy didn't die. But this clicking, this valve opening and closing, it's the second distinct sound that comes from Randy's chest. And it's loud enough that if you were to ride an elevator with him, you might look around wondering what that clicking sound is and where it comes from. <laughs> so not the ba-bum, 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 ba-bum that it should be. And Randy has an arrhythmia, which is why the beat isn't steady. We met um, at a dance, and we were dancing, so I was, I'm sure he thought I was going to ask about it. I just thought he had a really loud watch. These metal valves, however... They weren't a permanent solution for Randy's damaged heart. They told me the valves were be, would be good for 10 years. That open heart surgery, it was traumatic for 17-year-old Randy. Doctors cracked his sternum open, and he spent weeks in the hospital. There was no way he wanted to go through that again. And I remember thinking, 10 years, I'm like, you know, I don't, I don't know if I want to get him replaced. I'm like, you know, I'll be almost 30. That's, <laughs> deal with it, you know. And by deal with it, he means letting his heart fail. He means letting his heart and the rest of his body expire at age 27. He meets Tiffany at age 21. That's six years before the valves are expected to expire. One of the crazy things, when my wife and I were dating, when we talked about marriage, I told her, I'm going to have, because I've had these valves, that I'm going to have to have them replaced again. I don't plan on getting them fixed again, so when my heart valves give out, I'm probably going to die, so... So, I find this whole part of Randy's life so mind-boggling. Within a month of getting those valves at age 17, Randy felt amazing. Why decide then it's okay to cut your life short? These days, Randy shrugs it off to being young. Um, you know, that's just, I guess that's just immaturity talking. He equates the feeling of having to get those vows replaced to the feeling of having to pay back student loans. To me, it just, it was so far in the future, it was like, you know, like, it's like health problems and student loans. Eh, it'll never, it'll <laughs> never come. 
Sure, I'll take an extra five grand from the government. I'll never have to pay it back. Right now, I think about 10 years in the future, and I think that's gonna be gone in a snap. When I was 20 years old, thinking 10 years in the future was never gonna happen. It was just so far out there. And then there's his faith. Randy is deeply religious, so he's not particularly frightened of death. Actually, he's confident about what comes next. He's reunited with family, and he gets to meet his creator. Dying Young was not ideal, obviously. He was really sad about it, but he was never scared. As for Tiffany... What was her response at the time when you, as a 21-year-old, you're like, I'm I'm 30s, 30s my cap, I'm done. Yeah, 30s my cap. I don't remember what her response was, but it was it was something along the lines of, you know, I think she just, just figured, you know, we'll deal with that when we come to it. Maybe we can ask her. Hey, Tiff. Yeah. So when we when I told you when we were dating that if I ever had to have that surgery again, I wouldn't do it. I can't remember what your reaction was. Um, I don't think I had a reaction, but I just thought, you know. Number one, I didn't think we'd ever have to do it again. Yeah. And number two, I, I thought, of course you will. This is all to say they really didn't think too much about those vows failing. Six months after meeting each other, Randy and Tiffany get married. And Randy's heart keeps on clicking. He plays baseball. He's firmly a team sports guy. At this point in his life, he can't even imagine going for a run. Randy and Tiffany have two daughters. I remember being really little and laying on my dad's stomach because he was watching TV. And the expiration date on those valves, it gets closer and closer. And I'd hear his heartbeat. He turns 26. And I'd just be so fascinated in listening to it. 27. Extremely metallic. And I'm just like, what is going on? And then Randy blows right past the 10-year mark. He turns 28. When I was in labor with him on Christmas Day, and I was just praying that he would just hang on so I wouldn't have to deal with a birthday on Christmas. I know. But 31. That's forever. 32. And I just thought, you know, if he's ever upset with having a birthday the day after Christmas, I'm going to say, we tried to have you for like five or six years, and you came when you came. 35. And then Randy starts to slow down. Randy loses interest in playing softball, which is strange because Randy has always loved everything baseball-related. And he feels sluggish. Randy's a plumber, and... One day he's driving home from a job at high elevation, and he has to pull over to puke. It happens three days in a row. The worst case scenario I could come up with in my head, something's wrong with my valves and I have to go through a surgery and get my valves replaced again. Which, by this point, he was okay to do. After their third kid, Nathan, was born, Randy told Tiffany he'd get the surgery if he needed it. Besides, he now had all the things that make you want to stick around. He had a wife, a family. He'd even started his own plumbing business. Now, here they were. The doctor set Randy and Tiffany down. The problem... He said... um, It wasn't with Randy's heart valves. He said, your heart is failing. You need a heart transplant. Nothing will ever be the same. And it it was like a hammer in the head. It was a death sentence, really. Randy has to stop working. His health problems are just too severe. But Randy makes plans to survive. He gets himself on the list for a heart transplant. He gets a pacemaker to tide him over. And then he waits. More than four years go by. His heart has enlarged and is increasingly weak. But 
Those metal valves, amazingly, they they continue to swing open and shut. Until one night I was in bed and my heart just stopped. Thankfully, the pacemaker does its job. The ICD kicked in, restarted my heart. We went to the emergency room. That was a Saturday night. By Monday morning, Randy is at Banner University Medical Center in Tucson, Arizona. And there, his surgeon... My name's Zane Calpe. Dr. Calpe informs Randy that it's likely he only has 24 hours of heartbeats left. He looks completely pale, ashen, and he was literally on the brink of crashing. Crashing as in dying. Around this time, Randy has this habit of running his index finger along the base of his thumbnail. The nail just crumbles. Because your heart, it has this really important job. As it pumps, it delivers oxygen to the cells in your body, the cells that grow your thumbnails that keep your organs working. Without a steady supply of blood and oxygen, cells don't get what they need to survive. Randy's heart was no longer doing its job, and his body was shutting down. I don't think my kids knew how bad their dad was. Not hide anything from him. You know, we always told them how things were, but I don't know if you know what it looks like to see someone dying right before your eyes, but that's what we kind of were doing. We were just watching him slowly die. There were no donor hearts available. In any case, Randy was too sick at this point to accept one. He had just one option. And we'll get to that option right after the break. And we're back. When we left Randy, he's in the hospital. His doctor estimated that he had just a day left to live. But Randy has one final option to save his life. And it's this. The surgeon can remove his failing heart, take it out of his chest physically, and replace it with a machine called a total artificial heart. To me, I was all but ready to cash in my chips and say, I've had a good life. I've already outlived what I should have lived by at least 25 years at the time. I said, really, I just, I'm tired and I'm gonna, I'm, I can't even make the decision. I said, you know, honey, if you want me to do this, I'll do it, but... Really, I just, I'm tired, and I'm gonna, I'm, I can't even make the decision. And she said, then we're doing it. And I said, okay. On June 20th, 2013, Dr. Kelpie removes Randy's heart and replaces it with two plastic orbs Velcroed together. Yes, Velcroed. This is a total artificial heart made by a company called Syncardia. This is the sound it makes, and it is the third distinct sound to come from Randy Shepard's chest the one we heard in the very beginning of the episode. After he has the surgery, he's in a coma for a week. But then, he wakes up. And when I woke up, I remember kind of starting to do this, and it had—it was back. My thumbnail had regrown. And so Randy begins life with a total artificial heart. A life where this mechanical, galloping, horse-like sound becomes his constant companion. And the machine starts to put distance between Randy and death. Blood returns to his extremities. His organs begin to repair. But he begins to struggle with something else. 
losing his heart, it deeply unsettles him. There was one night when I was laying in my hospital bed, I don't, this might have been a week or so after I'd woken up, and I remember I, I was, I was like almost in a panic, and I was hitting my call light, and the nurse kept coming in, and, and I was like, I need to talk to the doctor, I need to talk to the doctor. When a physician's assistant finally comes in, Randy is desperate to know. Without a heart... Am I really not alive? Am I, and I just think I'm alive? And what is it that's keeping me alive? What is it that makes me alive? What is it that makes me a person? What is, you know, if I've, if I've lost my heart, well, how much more can I lose and still be me? Because, of course, the heart isn't just another part of you. When we talk about ourselves, the heart is the thing we cover. In our thoughts, we think about our hearts as the container for love. At least in language, it's where our warmest feelings go. You know, when when that piece is gone, how do you replace it? What do you? How do you? How do you make up for that hole that it leaves? How do you make up for that hole? There's not really a rule book for having a machine in your chest, and make no mistake, this is a machine, and like most machines. It needs a power source at all times. So that means when Randy and his family are at church on Sundays, they claim the pew nearest an outlet. When Randy gets into his family's minivan, he plugs himself into the car charger. Yes, you heard that right, the car charger. Every time I'd walk in a room, where can I plug in? That was my first. So I just automatically notice where the power outlets are. It's a little OCD thing, I'm sure, that I don't. Hopefully I'll overcome someday, but... Um, it's like your superhero sense. That's, that's my going. superpower, seeing... Yeah, wonderful. I wanted to be invisible, instead I get to see the power outlets. <laughs> it works like this. Two tubes connected to the total artificial heart inside his chest jet out from Randy's abdomen. They snake around the side and disappear into a black and gray backpack. In the backpack is a toaster-sized box called a driver, It's what makes the heart pump. When he's near an outlet, he plugs himself in. At his son's baseball game, the whole thing runs thanks to two thick, toast-sized batteries. If he leaves the house, he needs to carry a fully charged backup driver, two sets of extra batteries, and some extra plugs, just in case. One of Randy's daughters makes a sign that hangs inside their front door. It reads, Don't forget Dad's heart. Kelsey was in the orchestra. She was playing cello for her school orchestra. Um, it was during my concert, and so and and I wa- I went to go support her and see her, and so I came in as close to the starting time as possible. My dad was sitting in the very back, so he wouldn't disturb anyone. And I brought pillows, and I put the pillows around the backpack to muffle the sound as much as I could. It was loud, really loud. Because and I sat as far as away from everybody else as I could. And it was still very loud in this concert hall. And somebody came up to me, and I didn't realize it was the principal until apparently Kelsey was watching from the stage. He was like, why would you have a drum in your bag at this concert? How dare you? He came up and he said, sir, is that noise coming from your backpack? And I said, yeah, I'm sorry. He said, do you have a drum set in there? This story kills in the Shepherd House. Thanks to the artificial heart, Randy is among the living. But he can't work, can't go back to school. He's unsure of what to do, unsure of what he can do. 
So he starts looking around for other examples. In the hospital, Randy becomes friends with another patient with a total artificial heart, a guy named Chris Larson. Now, Chris walks a lot, and one day Randy joins him. By the time they finish a mile, Randy is gasping for air. But Chris's energy and drive, they really push Randy. Around the same time, Randy also hears about a different Chris, a guy named Chris Marshall. He also had a total artificial heart, and after getting it, he hiked up to six miles a day. All these stories, they get Randy thinking. If those guys could do those things, what is something unexpected that Randy could do with his artificial heart? The act of running, distance running, endurance running, uh, a lot of it is, I mean, there's a lot of it that's physical, but a lot of it's mental too. And I've never thought of myself as a mentally tough person. This isn't just Randy being self-deprecating. He means it. There's a story Randy tells about making his high school baseball team his senior year. Randy, as you'll remember, he loves baseball. I never actually finished a full season. I made the team as a pitcher, though. You pitch one day and you rest two days. On your rest days, you run. And so two out of three days, I was running. It's one thing to run for fun. It's another thing when everybody else is hitting and throwing and doing things on the field, and you're just running big, long laps around the school. And so after about... I don't know, second week into this into the season, I just decided I don't need this. And so he quit. He didn't have it in him to suffer through something he didn't enjoy. Think about it. That unwieldy machine in Randy's chest, it is the ultimate excuse. It's hard to tell someone to get off the couch when their heart is plugged into the wall. It would have been perfectly okay for Randy to ride out the time, separating him from a heart transplant by kicking back and taking it easy. But instead, Randy lets the accomplishments of Chris Larson and Chris Marshall steep in his brain for a while. And they sit there until Randy's at his son's baseball game. He spots another parent that he knows, and Randy asks one harmless question that will have massive repercussions. At the time, Nathan actually was playing Little League Baseball. So I was at one of his Little League games, and one of the other parents there was wearing an Ironman triathlon shirt. An Ironman, of course, is a 2.4-mile swim, 112-mile bike ride, followed by a 26.2-mile run. And I remember I had talked to him about it the year before, about the Ironman and just all everything that went into that. You know, I said, man, someday I want to do one of those Ironmans. You know, he said, he told me about how you find out about all these activities, you know, active.com. And I thought, okay, well, so I went home and I looked up on active.com and we were like a week, a little over a week away from the Pat Tillman race. And my wife had done the Pat Tillman race in the past, and my best friend had done it like five years in a row. I remember thinking, that just might be crazy enough that that's what I want to do. From there, he asks yet another audacious question. I asked my wife, I said, would it, would it be crazy if I said I wanted to do the Pat Tillman run? Pat's run is a run walk honoring Pat Tillman, the Arizona football star who died serving in Afghanistan. The course is 4.2 miles. A week before the race. And I'm like, yeah. It would be so crazy, but we do crazy. Let's just review the crazy part, shall we? Randy doesn't have a human heart. He carries the thing that makes his heart work in something resembling a Ghostbusters power pack. Also, Randy's total artificial heart, it only has one gear. That's a constant constant, presence. It's 135 beats a minute, um, no matter whether you're standing still or running up a hill. 
When he sleeps, 135 beats per minute. Climbs the stairs, 135 beats per minute. Now the average resting heart rate, like yours or mine, it's lower. It's between 60 to 100 beats per minute. So even if he's sitting around watching TV, Randy's heart is pumping a lot of blood. But here's the rub. When you and I start running, our bodies send signals to our hearts to to pump more blood. And in turn, our heart rates climb. 160 beats per minute, 180 beats per minute. The amount of blood we pump can increase fourfold. Our hearts are constantly jumping from first gear on the couch to second gear making dinner to fifth gear on the run. Because of Randy's fixed heart rate, his exercise capacity is capped. When he's climbing the stairs, his 135 beats per minute can accommodate a bit more blood in each beat. So it can flex from 2 gallons to 2.5 gallons. But that's it. Running would be like driving 55 on the freeway, stuck in second gear. Oh, and then there's this. A four-mile race? No one with an artificial heart had ever attempted such a thing. With an artificial heart, this would be a world first. Randy called me and said, Steve, I've been thinking about doing Pat's Run. This is Steve Lankford. He works at Syncardia, the company that made Randy's total artificial heart. And I asked him, how far are you walking right now? And he said, oh, about a half a mile. Being a runner myself, I, I was a little bit worried that he might not be ready for this uh, this soon. And he said, oh, I think I can be ready. I actually did some research into training for a marathon. One of the things that I found that was um, that was new information to me was you don't have to actually have run 26 miles to do the marathon. You just have to do about, they said, I think it was like three quarters of, if you've done three quarters of the distance in the two weeks prior, that's your long run leading up to it and you're, you're good to go. And so I thought, okay. So Randy walks out his front door. His goal is three miles. He takes it easy. As he walks, he's holding Tiffany's hand. Randy gets winded, but the extent of his exertion doesn't hit him until he gets home. It was rough. It, I spent the next two days in, in bed after that. <laughs> Undeterred, Randy wakes up on race day, laces up his shoes, pulls on a yellow t-shirt, and walks out the door with a backup driver and extra batteries, just in case. And Saturday we got up, we went out, and we walked a mile just to get to the starting line. <laughs> so that part wasn't... It wasn't, we, we should have had a little more forethought on that, but... Randy finds an outlet to plug himself in, and about a half an hour before the race starts, he lets his batteries take over. Randy, his wife Tiffany, Steve from Syncardia, and a few others, they join Randy in his corral. And then... They're off. There's a spot where you go over the, the bridge, over to the Tempe Town Lake, and the wind was, was whipping and coming off of the water. It was really cold as we, were, as we were coming around that spot. And the wind was like pushing against us. And it was like, we were just, I was almost like fighting against these winds. If the winds are challenging, the hills are worse. About three quarters of the way up, I was so like just, just lungs heaving. And I mean, I've got all these medical and engineering people around me and they didn't notice I was turning gray. I was seeing the strain on his face. That's Steve again. And I could seem to hear the chunk a chunk a chunk a chunk a 
chunk a little bit more loudly. That chunk a chunk a sound is the machine that powers Randy's heart straining. Randy feels sick all over, like he's going to throw up. His body is demanding more than the 135 beats per minute are delivering. He wanted to just move the whole time and not take any breaks. And just starting to like kind of turn white. Randy is walking this 4.2 mile course, but still. Everybody knew he needed to stop and he was not wanting to, so. What did I say to you? She said, you need to stop, take a break. I'm like, no. And he was huffing and puffing and he just looked like he was gonna fall over. And finally she grabbed my shoulder and she said, stop now. I said, okay, fine. So I stopped and I leaned against the pole and I just took took a few deep breaths and took a few minutes and... Yeah. Okay, we were pretty forceful then. In my head, I was super sweet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, she's, she's always been my, my little Jiminy Cricket, I guess. It's just, she's kept me, she's kept me alive so many times. It's worth mentioning here that this moment represents the beginning of Randy 2.0. In other words, He's moving away from the Randy who bails on his favorite sport of all time just because it involves hard work. The Randy who's starting to see when things get hard, he can hang in there. Randy has to stop for a battery change. Remember, his batteries only last two to three hours. He acquiesces to a few more breaks, but in his mission to get to Sun Devil Stadium, to get to the finish line... He does not waver. Mesa resident Randy Shepard wanted to do it to prove that he could, becoming the first person with an artificial heart to complete the run. Randy Shepard says he had been home from a long hospital stay for only a few weeks when he began considering Pat's run. When I heard about it last Saturday, I thought, wouldn't that be crazy to do that? Especially since for nearly a year, Shepard's life One hour and on 35 minutes after he starts, Randy crosses the finish. He takes his story to Reddit, the social media site, where he posts under the username TinMan556. The Tin Man, as you'll remember from The Wizard of Oz, was without a heart. As Randy shares his story online, others share theirs. Randy still smiles about it. In these comments, you can see the baton being passed. The stories of others inspire Randy. And Randy's extraordinary accomplishment inspires other people, people wondering, just like Randy did, what's within my limits? But this triumph, it's not the end of Randy's story. See, the artificial heart, no matter how reliable and life-saving, it's just a temporary solution. It's a bridge to transplant, the thing that gets him from a failing human heart to a new human heart. And until that happens, Randy is tethered to the backpack. He needs to be near a power source. He can't take showers. I repeat, he cannot take showers. What happens to Randy and his artificial heart? Well, that's coming up next. Is a bunny? <laughs> yeah, there's lots of rabbits in here and quail. I'm in Mesa, Arizona with Randy. It's December, and we're going for a run a run on a desert path near his house. So how often do you get out to run? Uh, two or three times a week. After 15 months with the machine in his chest, Randy was finally matched with a donor heart. 
He'd been on the transplant list for six years. So then how often are you out biking? Every chance I get. And when this happens, his total artificial heart removed and another person's heart sewn in. The sound of his heart changes for a fourth time. This time it doesn't click or gallop. In this stage of his life, it beats silently. Ten months after his transplant, Randy completed a sprint triathlon, finished in two hours and 50 minutes. Naturally, he posted a picture of himself on Reddit to celebrate. Now, consider this. When Randy first started running on a treadmill about five weeks after his transplant surgery, he had to take it really easy. His chest hurt. His sternum had been cracked open three times, one for each major heart surgery. Each time, it takes longer to heal. It still stings. We get back from the run. Randy takes a seat on a beige recliner in the living room. Are you comfortable there? I am. This yes. No. This is my favorite place in the world right here in this chair. <laughs> Do you consider yourself a runner? Oh, um, a poor one, <laughs> a beginner still, but yeah, it was it was a gradual uh, process, but um, I think it helped a lot after after the first Tillman run when people started referring to me as as a that kind of a person people started to treat me like the kind of person who does who does those things and I thought okay well if other people think that of me then I can think that of me Randy's changed since his transplant in some big ways and some small ones he likes ginger snap cookies he hated ginger snap cookies before and now he loves them and mom would say he didn't used to want me to make ginger snap cookies but now he does, all the time. So So do you think it's the heart, the heart change? It's, it's the heart, yeah. How else will you explain the ginger snap cookies? <laughs> to be clear, I asked Dr. Kalpi, Randy's surgeon, about this, and he says he's intrigued by the idea, but he can't explain it rationally. I want to put a finer point on a big change here. For the first time in Randy's life, he's running, voluntarily running. He's doing something that's hard, and he's not quitting. And he's doing all this with a heart that is not his. But even now, it's hard for Randy to see all he's accomplished, how spectacular it is to be a runner, to be a triathlete. It's complicated. For one thing, he still gets tired and has days when he doesn't have the energy to do much, not even the most basic things like taking out the trash. Randy will be on immunosuppressant drugs for the rest of his life. They help Randy's heart and his body get along. And here's where it gets complicated. Physically, Randy's heart and body, they're working towards a balance. The first time I listened to it, I just, it made me cry. It was so strong, so beautiful. It's the best sound I've ever heard. But emotionally, their union wasn't smooth. Like within a couple of days, um, one of the nurses was like, here, you need to listen to your heart and tried to put the stethoscope on me to listen to my heart. I could not <laughs> bring myself to do it. I was, and I thought about why, and I don't, there was a fear. I, I, in a lot of ways, I didn't feel like I deserved that heart. I actually had several conversations with my heart, which sounds kind of odd, but in internal conversations just thinking about the person who had that heart before um, 
and it's just actually talking to that heart like I, I know you're in my chest and I want to feel like you're a part of me but I don't. Randy talked to Tiffany. He talked to Steve too, the guy who works at Syncardia, the artificial heart company. One of the things that, that he struggled with, and we talked about this before he got his heart transplant, he, he said it's difficult thinking that someone is going to be in an accident and they're going to be losing their life. He has been very, very um, grateful in acknowledging the... Uh, Sorry, I, I do choke up, but acknowledging the family who donated their loved one's heart so that he could have a second chance at life. Randy doesn't know who gave him the heart. He can reach out to the family through the organ donation organization. The organization will ask the family if they're interested in receiving the correspondence. If they're not, they won't get the letter, but if they are... Then that opens up a line between Randy and the family. He's considered what he might like to write, but he has yet to put pen to paper. He finds it overwhelming. Words just don't feel like enough. The emotional part of it is, it literally brings me to tears at times thinking about it. Um, when I think about the gift that I was given from this donor, taken away and they can and now they'll never accomplish those things that they I mean did they want to build a deck on their house did that person want to buy a new truck did that person want to sell everything they had and buy a van and and travel across the country I mean, so I you feel like you need to do those things now hopefully I'll, I won't go as far as that but you know by a, I think every time I accomplish something extraordinary you know, whether it's the Tillman Run or the triathlon or a marathon or whatever that is, and maybe someday an Ironman, who knows? Every time I accomplish one of those things, I think it it just adds a little bit to that person's legacy. Randy is currently training for an event that combines running, elements of CrossFit, and bow hunting. He has yet to complete a marathon or an Ironman, but he hopes to, someday. I mean, there's a lot of things that, the things that are on my horizon now, on my to-do list, 10 years ago would never have been on my to-do list, <laughs> would never have been on my want-to-do list. Um, a year ago, Randy did that 4.2-mile Pat Tillman race for the second time. But this time he had no machine, no backpack, no special clearance. He finished in 58 minutes. That's 37 minutes faster than the year before. And this time, he ran. He walked some too, but he ran. After 23 years, Randy's heart doesn't speak to him anymore. Not in clicks, not in the 135 beats per minute mechanical galloping sound. Today, Randy's heart is strong, steady, and silent. And now, Randy speaks to it. With every lap he swims, mile he rides, and step he runs, it is Randy's way of saying, thank you. This episode of Human Race was produced by Rachel Swaby, Audrey Quinn, and Christine Fennessy, with editing help from Brian Dalek, Chris Kraft, and Sylvia Ryerson. Our theme music is by Danny Koch. David Willey is the editor-in-chief of Runner's World, 
and the editor of this podcast. To learn more about today's episode and to see some photos of Randy in action, visit runnersworld.com slash audio. Human Race is a proud member of Panoply. <laughs>